attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. We're back after a couple days off last week. And we rarely open the show by opening up phone lines, but let's change that today. Because after a big playoff weekend, we're starting in the obvious place. What is the most annoying ache, pain, or feeling that you have? The phone number is 336-777-1600. And we're on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. I ask that as I'm feeling the effects of allergies right now. While one side of my face is sunburnt from over the weekend. And I'm just getting over hiccups from the last hour. We'll get to the canes in a second. But let me clarify something. I'm not looking for injuries or illnesses. Just annoying aches, pains, or feelings. Desmond Johnson is back producing this show and taking your calls at 336-777-1600. If I'm bringing sunburn, allergies, and hiccups to the table, do you think you can beat me, Des? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Easily, I think so. What do you got? Um, well, as most of the triad knows, uh, I've had situations with kidney stones over the past couple of years, Ooh. and that is a pain I would not wish on my most bitter enemy. Um, I've been right. lucky to pass a few months without them, but that, that, I would put that at the top of the list. That, that qualifies though as like an injury. That's severe. Like, I wouldn't even put cramping into this category. Um, the word that you need to think about is annoying. Does this qualify as annoying? Um, there is one, although it is cramping. Have you ever gotten like a um, like a Charlie horse or like a cramp in your oh. like foot or something when you're asleep? You know, yeah, I mean? like it wakes that's you up. Really bad. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get those every once in a while too, especially like the ones that are like in your feet. Like I get them in the bottom of my feet a lot, like a tendinal titan, and it's, it jerks me out of my sleep in the middle of the night. That's so. So we'll take some of the submissions from the audience at Sports Hub Triad on Twitter three three six seven 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 one six hundred. I'm in Raleigh today for the Canes game six against Washington, and I don't expect there's going to be a game seven. I don't think the Canes are going to win tonight. They they are severely undermanned. Three of their top nine forwards are hurt. And we don't know if any of them are going to be back tonight. Jordan Martinook, best chances that he could come back out of the three. Um, he, he skated today, as did Andrei Svechnikov. Michael Furlan was on the ice, but according to people watching, he didn't look that good, so it looks like he's going to miss his third game in a row. Andrei Svechnikov, after last week's fight, He's still experiencing headaches. That's what he told reporters over the weekend. So I'd be surprised if he goes. Jordan Martinuk tried to give it a go after he got hurt in the first period last Thursday night. But after one shift, it was apparent apparent that he's skating on one leg. And it just wasn't going to happen. So even if you get Martinuk back tonight, I still don't know if that's going to be enough to beat Washington. Because this is the youngest team in the NHL we're talking with uh, talking about with Carolina. This is not a very deep team. When Carolina loses players, you're replacing them with even younger guys, if that's possible. Washington, meanwhile, they lose a player like TJ Oshie on Thursday night, and they replace that quality player with another quality player in Devontae Smith-Pelly. This is a player last year who was scoring multiple goals in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's, that's not what the Hurricanes have at their disposal when they lose players. Here's the good news. I also said the Hurricanes were going to lose last week, and they won. Maybe, maybe that helps. Maybe that plays into the positive mojo. 
So I don't think Carolina's going to win. I hope I'm wrong. Martin Duck may play, but I feel like if you need to have anybody back, it's either Svechnikov or Furland. Furland has been missed in his physicality. Svechnikov with his goal scoring. Those two, the Hurricanes miss infinitely more than Jordan Martinuk. And I don't mean that as a slight to Martinuk. It's impossible for me, I think, to be optimistic about the Hurricanes at this point. It's, it's pretty hard for me to expect them to win because they've exceeded all of my expectations. Do you know what, would, uh, what it would be like, Des? It would be like if I went out on a date with a supermodel. If I went out on a date with Brooklyn Decker mm. and you asked me, Josh, what are your expectations for tonight? I'm going to say, oh, it's not going to go well. This is going to be terrible. Why would Brooklyn Decker want to go out with me? Are you kidding me? That's what this is like. Because with the youngest team in the NHL, an owner that hasn't been around any more than a year and a few months, a new ownership team, a new front office, a new head coach, a first-time head coach, a team that hasn't been to the playoffs since 2009, all of this is icing. I didn't expect this team to get to the playoffs. Now that we're here and we're playing the defending Stanley Cup champion, how do you expect me as a fan, as a broadcaster, as somebody who's followed this franchise to say, yeah, I expect we're going to win? How do you expect a guy like me, a radio host here in the triad in North Carolina, go out on a date with Brooklyn Decker and say, yeah, I think this is going to go really well. I think she's going to have a lot of interest in me. Wasn't that a... Uh... Wasn't that like a Disney movie, like back in the day? She's Out of My League or something like that? Do you remember that movie? There is a movie called She's Out of My League. (laughs) I think Brooklyn Decker did go out with Adam Sandler in a movie. uh, Adam Sandler, that that has been the script in a lot of movies. Adam Sandler being the catch for all these women. Women going out of their way to want to date Adam Sandler. It's it's so (laughs) incredibly non-believable. Now, that if you go back and watch 51st States... The first sequence of that, the first sequence of the movie is Adam Sandler being this player that all the women want, and it just makes no sense watching it. Wow, you know what? Now that I think about it, he's been married to Salma Hayek in the movies. In that that movie with Brooklyn Decker, I'm pretty sure uh, Jennifer Aniston was in that movie with him, too. Jennifer Aniston, Salma Hayek, all wanted (laughs) Adam Sandler. Yes. Doesn't make much sense to me. I, I mean, if you're comparing Doesn't Brooklyn hold Decker up well. to uh, if you're comparing them to the Hurricanes, okay, now you've got my attention. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I the mean, Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> are Adam Sandler, and the Washington Capitals are Brooklyn Decker. <laughs> I mean, you, what, what would you put there? I, you're saying you pretty much assume actually they're not that's gonna not win fair. <laughs> that's not fair. I'm the Carolina Hurricanes. There you go. <laughs> the Capitals are Brooklyn Decker. Well, they've got a they've got a uh, a hell of a. Right hook for sure. Um, yeah. What do you? What would you give on a scale of one to ten? What do you think their chances are tonight? I, I think they're good because the Hurricanes are at home. The Carolina Hurricanes haven't lost any of their home playoff games. Thursday night it was a record crowd, the largest crowd we've ever seen for a hockey game in that building. That building's been around since 1998 or 1999, somewhere around there. So it, it's going to be loud. The Hurricanes are going to be motivated. I dug up a stat that the Hurricanes are 3-0 in home games after being shut out in the previous game. And in each of those three games, they've scored three goals. So I'm I'm not saying they're zero. I'm not saying they're not even high. Carolina, I I give them about a 40 to 45% chance. It really is a toss-up. But if you have a gun up to my head saying, Josh, 
as a Hurricanes fan, do you expect Carolina to win tonight? I gotta say no, especially with the three injuries to their top nine forwards. I will that's, say that's so essential to this. I will say, looking from afar, because you know I'm not a hockey fan, but of course I gotta kind of keep up with what the Hurricanes are doing. Uh, you know, being here at the sports hub and just being a sports fan in general. Looking from afar, it feels like this team is kind of built where when you least expect them to do something, that's when they end up doing something big. It just seems like the M.O. of their team this year. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong or not. But it seems like when people tend to they start to doubt the Hurricanes, that's when the Hurricanes end up like they'll win tonight for nothing or something crazy and send it back to, to D.C. for game uh, six. So I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, for the state, I hope that they win. But. I, I gotta, I gotta follow you on this one because you're more of a hockey fan and uh, what, person than I am. What would it take to get you to watch tonight's hockey game? Uh, well, Brooklyn Decker was a great start. Uh, she's gonna be hanging out or somewhere <laughs> in the arena. That might be. I, uh... I have no idea who's gonna be doing the hurricane siren tonight. Yeah, uh, they, they've been bringing in North Carolina natives to sound the siren for the first and second intermission to bring the hurricanes out onto the ice. Yeah, she's the Heather O'Reilly. Well, she she is a North Carolina native. I know, that's what I'm saying. If she's the one uh, tonight, that's going to be crazy. U.S. soccer great Heather O'Reilly was there the other night. Greensboro native John Isner. I ran into him on the concourse, or I guess it was on the lower bowl right off the rink. And I was like, John, you ever go back to Greensboro? He's like, oh, man, all the time. Love Greensboro. John Isner, a lot taller than I thought. Yeah. Six foot ten. John <laughs> Isner. Big dude. So he was there. TJ Warren sound, sounded the siren. Huh. Kevin Keats did it for one game. Dave Doran did it for another period. A crazy thing happened at PNC Arena on Thursday. Even crazier than how loud the building was following hockey here in the state of North Carolina. Zion Williamson appeared on the scoreboard during a timeout. He was wearing a bunch of jerk shirt. Mm-hmm. He said, everybody get revved up. Let's get excited. And fans lost their minds. I saw a clip of him uh, doing something. He was like outside of like a house or something. He was wearing It was a, a right outside shirt. Cameron Indoor Stadium. Oh, is that he what that was? Okay, yeah. So he, he, I saw something on Twitter where somebody posted it. And he was, it was a quick, what, five, seven second thing where it's basically yeah. just him saying, let's go Canes. Yeah. A bunch of jerks. Everybody went nuts in the building. It had me thinking, is there another Duke player that would have been as well-received as that. Nope. Zion on the scoreboard in the home of the Wolf Pack, Mm-mm. saying, let's go Canes, and everybody going nuts. Absolutely Is there not. another Duke player? <laughs> no. I was going crazy. <laughs> Everyone thought it was just normal. Hey, well, it's Zion. Let's go crazy here. Zion's kind of... I don't think there's another Duke player that you that would have gotten that same reaction. I thought that was a really cool thing from Thursday night. Well, they've never really... Duke's never really had a player... From, now, granted, Zion's from South Carolina, but Zion's kind of elevated himself into his own separate brand beyond Duke. I can't think of a Duke player that's done that. You know that they've made it where you say he's a one-word like entity now. He's like Madonna or Cher or you know, like he, he's Zion. You don't even need to say his last name anymore. It's like a he's well, an entity all to himself. So that yeah, I could see that. But I don't. Uh, Duke has never really had a guy from like the state of North Carolina that's been that great that you could be like okay. Maybe him, but I think that would have to be the qualifier. Well, Zion's not from North Carolina. Right, but I'm saying he, he's elevated to the point where he doesn't have to be from North Carolina. They, North, North Carolina will claim him because he played at Duke for eight months, if that makes any sense. Because if, he's Michael, so good. if Michael Jordan appeared on the scoreboard, that would how probably, would that be received? That would probably be pretty well received. Uh, if Hansborough did it, he'd get booed. 
In PNC, probably oh, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hansborough would get booed. <laughs> or like Luke May. <laughs> oh, He's a yeah. Wolfpack killer. So, yeah, get, we'll, get Luke to do it real quick. I'm sure they would love it. That's who you need to get in here. Not Luke May. Zion Williamson. Get him in the building. If anybody's going to break that damn thing that you, that you turn to uh, ignite the siren, the, it's Zion Williamson. Hell. He'll break it like it's a shoe. Can he skate? Mm. Let's put him in some pads. Who would win a fight between Alex Oveshkin on skates Ooh. versus Zion Williamson on the ice in basketball Hmm. <laughs> now that's a hmm. We're know. asking a lot of good questions <laughs> that's here really today. Good, actually. We're asking a lot of great questions. How things would turn out if I went on a date with Brooklyn Decker? <laughs> Aches, pains, and and feelings that are uncomfortable and annoying. And also, who wins a fight between Alex Oveshkin on skates on ice? Versus Zion Williamson and basketball shoes. 336-777-1600. We're on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. The drive today not being broadcast live. And the law offices of Timothy D. Wellborn Studios. We'll be back in there tomorrow. But you can find out more about Tim Wellborn at timwellborn.com. Coming up, two headlines from yesterday that filled me with rage. This is the Sports Hub. This is the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. We're not the high school recruiting radio show pretending like we watch all of these games and we're going to project what these guys are going to be at the next level in college football or in college basketball. But there's no question that tomorrow is going to be the most important day in the calendar year, the next calendar year for North Carolina basketball, because it's the day Cole Anthony is going to uh, to decide where he's playing his college basketball, picking between North Carolina, Georgetown, Oregon, and Mike Bray and Notre Dame. However, most people believe it's between North Carolina and Oregon, Cole Anthony will make the announcement on that ESPN morning show, Get Up, with Jay Williams at around 8.50 tomorrow morning. If Cole Anthony doesn't choose the Tar Heels, I believe North Carolina is in serious trouble. I'm talking about 2010-level trouble. People had optimism about that 2010 team after the national title year. The Ware Twins thought they were going to amount to something. John Henson, they thought he would be great right out of the gate for the Tar Heels, even though they didn't really have much talented first-round leadership on that roster since they lost the Wayne Ellingtons of the world, the Tyler Hansboroughs, the Danny Greens, etc., etc. This team, if they do not have Cole Anthony on it, will have no first-round picks. No first-round picks on the roster. Armando Bacot, he's a five-star player, but many people believe Armando Bacot's not a one-and-done guy. He's a typical Tar Heel five-star player who's going to stick around for multiple years. However, we saw that the, 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 those expectations change as a year uh, goes on. It, it happened in the case of Tony Bradley, and it happened in the case last year with Kobe White. So if we're being fair, Armando Bacot, what he is right now, is going to be far different than what Armando Bacot is in March. But... If Cole Anthony isn't on this roster for North Carolina, if he decides to go to Oregon, 
This is going to be a borderline tournament team. I wouldn't bet on North Carolina to go to the tournament if Cole Anthony isn't a part of the mix. Because if he's not your point guard, it's likely going to be uh, Seventh Woods. You'd like to move Leaky Black there, but if or if Cole Anthony's not on the roster, who's going to play small forward? Who's going to be the number three in the lineup if Cole Anthony isn't on this team? If Leaky Black's playing the point, who's going to play the three? Because I'm doing that. So that's what I view. If North Carolina doesn't have Cole Anthony on the roster, you're talking about a starting five with Seventh Woods at the point, Brandon Robinson at the two, Leaky Black at the three, and he's versatile. He could do a lot of different things, obviously. You're moving Garrison Brooks from the five to his natural position at the four, and Armando Bacot would be your five. That's a pretty good team. I don't know if it's a tournament team. If Cole Anthony roster, you have flexibility with Leaky Black. Seventh, go back to where he should role player as a senior, a five-star player, be the guy. It changes why I believe tomorrow is the most important day in the next year for North Carolina, regardless of what happens. Cole Anthony, his decision, if it's North Carolina, we don't know what the ceiling is for this team. If it's not North Carolina, the ceiling is certainly capped, and it might be capped at just being a tournament team. I'm feeling actually pretty pretty good. Uh, the si- the signs that I've received, and I've got a couple of people that actually do stuff for Inside Carolina that I talk to on a frequent basis, and uh, they're feeling pretty good about it too. The fact that he decided to do this announcement in the morning on Get Up helps me feel a little better about it being Carolina because I would imagine if he was picking Oregon, he would do it prime time on ESPN because it's West Coast. You know what I mean? It's going to be like five thirty in the morning when he announces this on the West Coast. So that's a good point. That's that's certainly reading into it. Yeah, and then uh, his dad, uh, Greg Anthony, point uh-huh. guard for UNLV, running Rebels, one of the greatest teams of all time. He is a sports announcer now. Uh, I think primarily for CBS, if I'm not mistaken. And he had a, a game a couple of nights ago, and he was wearing he was decked out in full Carolina blue suit. <laughs> Top <laughs> pants, tie, and uh, and then also uh, back during the tournament, uh, Cole Anthony's little brother was rocking full UNC gear uh, <laughs> while they were. At you're some, you're really some other reading thing. into this. I mean, you kind of have to a little we, bit. The no, way these we, kids we did play this with Zion now. last year. Yeah, everyone Zion. talking about Zion's relationship with Hubert Davis, and yeah. oh, he was wearing Carolina stuff. We all thought he was going to be a Tar Heel. Then he wasn't. Well, nobody, nobody had Duke in that final group for him though. That was a complete and total shock when he pulled that Duke hat out. Like no one, no what one. What would even be your knew. reaction tomorrow if Cole Anthony just suddenly brings out a Duke hat? Oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that that is not going to happen. If, if that we did happened, this radio show with Zion Williamson last year, that, you would have said the same <laughs> thing to me. No, nah, even with that, there was still like an outside chance, but no one expected him to go there over Clemson or UNC. Now, in hindsight, it was the best decision for him because it's, it elevated him to a you know the clear cut number one pick here in a couple of uh, months. With Cole, it's a little different. I mean, he's taken the most visits to Carolina out of all these schools. The other schools, when you look at the ones on his list, he's he's been very adamant that he wants to go someplace with a chance to get to the Final Four this year. And Dez. if you look at it, Oregon, Georgetown, Notre Dame, Carolina, with Cole on that roster, which of those teams would have a better shot of making the Final Four, just out of those four teams? Probably Oregon. Oregon? Oregon, yeah, that was a team that went to the Sweet 16 last year. They have a lot of guys back. It's a good team. You can say I mean, that they, for they, Carolina. They went to the Sweet 16. They're bringing back. Bull Bull didn't even play in the tournament last year. You're yeah. going to get Bull Bull back. He might be a Hornet in a couple, couple of weeks. Um, no, if, Bull Bull. If he stays in the declared. draft. He's declared. He's gone. He's not coming back. That's why he didn't come back before. I mean, he only played nine games and decided to save himself for, for the draft. 
seven three, was shooting fifty percent from three point line. He's gone. He's I want to. Ex- I want to explore Desmond Johnson a little bit. Des, right. he's been out for the last week on assignment. It's good to have Des. <laughs> Back in the producer's chair, taking your calls at 336-777-1600 and on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. It was a tremendous recruiting weekend for North Carolina's hated rival, Duke. They bring in Matthew Hurt. They get Trey Jones coming back. And just in the last hour, they brought in the four-star player who's number 34 uh, in the ESPN Top 100, Cassius Stanley, who's another guard that's going to add some shooting to the Duke lineup. Des, we're t- you're talking about Cole Anthony as if he's going to be a Tar Heel, but how many times have we done this? How many times have Tar Heel fans done this where going into the Zion Williamson announcement, you thought it was going to be Zion, and I-, I remember it was a formality with all the background info and reading into things that the uh, the the Blue Devils, or excuse me, who was the player four or five years ago that North Carolina thought they were going to have, but Duke landed at the at the last moment? Uh, well, I know the other way around. Out of Kent's, uh, it was Brandon Ingram. Oh, Brandon Ingram. Yeah, but that was because we everybody were in the middle thought, of the, the – we right, knew we weren't going to get Brandon everybody, Ingram. No, no, no. That day, everybody thought it was still going to be the Tar Heels. And then when he picked Duke, it was heartbreaking stuff. How heartbroken will you be if Cole Anthony decides to go to Oregon? Uh I don't know if I would say I'd be heartbroken. I'd be really disappointed. I mean, based off of everything he said, if he truly is trying to get to a Final Four next year, because I assume he's only going to be wherever he goes for one season, Sure, why not do it with a Hall of Fame coach who already has three national championships and has been to like five Final Fours or whatever in the past 15 years? That well, just again, seems like that's Oregon, the best place Oregon to go. Oregon was in that same Final Four as North Carolina was two years ago. But they haven't had as much success as North Carolina. Oregon, oh, is, Oregon, Oregon is not it's a blue blood. But look, they're not, they're not, but none of these teams are blue bloods, and he still hasn't made the decision to go to North Carolina yet. So when you're looking at it right now, what I'm asking you to do is imagine if tomorrow's announcement is not North Carolina. If the hat Cole Anthony decides to put on his head is not a Tar Heel blue one, what will that mean for next year's team? I mean, they won't be as good as this past year or the year prior, for sure. Um, nobody knew Kobe White was going to be this good coming in this year. So some of these questions were still here last season around this time. You know, like, what is Carolina going to be? And it ended up being better than what many people but thought. We all knew, but we all knew what you were getting with Cameron Johnson, Luke May, and Kenny Williams. You had that there, what you do not have on this roster right now. It's kind of like 2006, you know, where... After the or 2010. Class. But 2010, they they did not have... Actually, you know what? I take that it back. It be, is kind of like 2010 be, because 2010 had... I know, it could be either a, one. It had if, a, you get, if, you get two, if you get Cole Anthony, it's like 2006. If you don't get Cole Anthony, it's like 2010. Yeah, because 2010, the, problem. the main issue with... The problem when, when Carolina suffers is when they don't have a point guard that matches what Roy wants to do. If you look back all the way to 2003 when he got here, his best teams are the teams he has... When he has a point guard that can either push the tempo or can put the ball in the right spot, whether it's Ty Lawson, whether it's Raymond Felton, whether it's Marcus Page, or whether it's Kendall Marshall, they all had individual things, but they knew how to run his offense. Seventh Woods, he he's had plenty of opportunity, but I mean, he's going to a senior year and he's yet to secure a, a starting role or make anybody that roots for Carolina feel comfortable with him in that role. Are we talking about 
uh, Seventh Woods, Seventh Woods, or yeah. Mixtape Seventh Woods? Well, I mean, Mixtape Seventh Woods was when he was 14, you know? Right. You know, that was no, so no, long ago No, Mixtape Seventh now. Woods had a couple appearances this year. Oh, Miami yeah. game, yeah, Mixtape Seventh yeah. Woods showed up uh, for a couple baskets. Oh, oh, don't get me started about our reaction to... Him in the Bahamas last year. Oh, yeah. Dunking <laughs> on people. Dunk, oh, yeah. snap! <laughs> oh, this he's is back. Mick, Mick State Seventh Woods is here. Now, now, Watch out! Now, I will say the one thing I've learned with Roy is to not judge his teams in May and June because he's constantly on the road doing stuff, bringing in grad transfers. Like we were worried when Justin Jackson left, he brings in Cameron Johnson. You know, it. he's got guys that are kind of out there that he's got on his radar that he's trying to bring in. And then he's also still got. Uh, Anthony Harris, who's a combo guard that's out there, that's a four-star but Dez, guy. But Dez, you're talking about reloading. Yeah. This is a rebuild. You're, when they lose Justin Jackson and Kennedy Meeks. They they still had Joel Berry and Theo Pinson on that roster. Right now, you don't have any of that. It's really, Here's the question I have for you, though. Mm-hmm. The question I have for you is, if Leaky Black's playing the point guard on a roster that does not have Cole Anthony on it, who is the three? Uh, who who plays the three? Who can do it? Thinking about who's on that roster, they may not have to do problem. more. They might have to go the Duke route and play positionless basketball. You know, you that's might have the Leaky, problem. You might have Leaky out there handling the ball, but you might not necessarily have a three. You might have Andrew Playtech. Mm, nah, probably Brandon Robinson. To be honest, you <sighs> probably you probably have to do Leaky at the one. That's a scary proposition. Maybe be Rob at the two or three, Oof. and then throw another wing out there. And then you got Bacot and uh, uh, Garrison Brooks down in the good. Paint. Good luck with that. But I don't expect that to happen. Let's see. You know? I don't, I don't expect see. that to be the, the 8.50 case. tomorrow morning. It will yeah. It will be the most important two or three minutes in North Carolina basketball the next year. Regardless of what happens in the games, the most important three-minute stretch in North Carolina basketball like you're trying to make will be <laughs> tomorrow. It, it's, I'm just speaking the truth. I know. It is so true that tomorrow head. is the most important five minutes. For North Carolina basketball the entire year. It is. Get out of my head, Josh. Tomorrow at 8.50. <laughs> it's that time of the week where we get crazy. Hot sports takes are welcome. Tweet them in at Sports Hub Triad. Call them in at 336-777-1600. We get crazy next on The Drive. Oh, look who's back. This is the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. We're broadcasting live from Highwoods Boulevard in downtown Raleigh. Ahead of Game 6, Eastern Conference quarterfinals, the Carolina Hurricanes. Trying to stave off elimination tonight against the Washington Capitals. 7 o'clock puck drop. Looking forward to being inside that building because Game 5, or excuse me, Game 4 gave us a record-breaking crowd at PNC Arena. Over 19,000 fans in attendance. It's the biggest crowd we've ever seen for a hockey game in that building. Pierre Maguire is the leading rinkside analyst for the NHL on NBC. will be on the call tonight on the NBC Sports Network. Joins us now on the program. As undermanned as the Carolina Hurricanes are right now, Pierre, with uncertainty swirling around the statuses of Jordan Martinook, Andre Svechnikov, and Michael Furland, should Carolina be able to keep up with this Washington team tonight? Oh, absolutely. And Josh, nice to visit with you and your listeners. I don't see why not. One of the great things they have going for them, I just heard you allude to it, 
the home ice advantage. It's pretty significant. Uh, I travel around the league. I've been in the league for 31 years as a coach and as a broadcaster. And um, This is as unique a situation that I've witnessed in a long time. I coached in the 1992 Stanley Cup Final with the Pittsburgh Penguins in old Chicago Stadium, and most people consider that the loudest building in the history of the NHL. I can tell you in games three and four in Raleigh, especially game four, that was the loudest building I've ever been in. And so that's a significant advantage, especially if you can score early like they did uh, in game number four with Warren Fogle. So if they can do that and keep the crowd on their side, I don't know why you can't force a game seven. Your your voice on the NHL, your words, they carry weight because of your background and how often and how close you are to the sport and your platform. So I wonder in your mind, after nine seasons of no playoff hockey in a non-traditional hockey market, do you buy that these record crowds we've seen somehow validates the Carolinas as a hockey Martin, considering how long it's been since this team's been relevant? Absolutely. And the other thing that I no makes it really relevant as you're developing players that are eventually going to be NHL players or already become NHL players or playing in the American Hockey League or the East Coast Hockey League. So one of the things that helped makes a market a hockey market is not just the fans, but it's the participation at the grassroots level. And you have phenomenal grassroots level participation right now. And that's really apparent, and that's really positive for the market. You've got more and more young women playing, which is hugely important to the well-being of the sport, um, and that's really good news. So, yeah, I think this market has been validated for a while. One of the things you have to have, though, you got to win. And for this year anyways, and I think for the foreseeable future, this is going to be a winning brand and a very positive brand, not only for, obviously, the folks in Carolina, but for the National Hockey League in general. It's just been a surprising story nationally, but also locally as well, to see a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in 10 years, taken over by a new owner a little over a year ago in Tom Dundon, a new head coach who hasn't been a head coach um, in Rod Brindamore, and the youngest team in the NHL going into the season, now making the postseason ending this drought. In your mind, where should Rod Brindamore be for those reasons in the Jack Adams Award Coach of the Year debate? Well, he should definitely be in the discussion. There's no question. Just like I think Rick talked, a, a former player of mine out in Arizona, even though they didn't make the playoffs, he should be in the discussion too. But I think it's going to be pretty hard for anybody to usurp the position of Barry Trotz, the coach of the Islanders, because most people didn't think the Islanders were going to do anything this year, and here they are of having already swept the Pittsburgh Penguins because most people thought without John Tavares they were done. They were not going to do anything. But Barry went in there and implemented huge organizational standards, and it's worked well. But I, Rod has done a phenomenal job, along with Dean Chenault and Jeff Daniels, the two assistant coaches. Uh, Mike Bales, the goalie coach, has done a fantastic job, I think, with Peter Morazic. Um So, no, there, there's a lot to like here. you got to be really encouraged. So by, just so the fans understand, I travel all around the league. That's all I do. I'm never home. And Sebastian Ajo is as good a young player as you're going to find in almost any market in the league. And you have him here in Carolina, and he's just going to continue to evolve and get better. Uh, Warren Fogles like found money because when he left the University of New Hampshire many many moons ago, a lot of people didn't think he'd ever materialize and become an NHL player. Now you could say he's a top six forward. Justin Williams is as heady a leader as there is in the NHL. There's so many things to like, but here's the one that everybody needs to know: Jacob Slavin is as good as any defenseman in the NHL. He's as good as any defenseman in the NHL. That's saying a lot because there are a lot of really good defensemen in the league. 
He's as good as any defenseman in the league, and you got him here. So there's a lot to like about this group here. With the exception of Justin Williams, all the names that you mentioned are under 25 years old, and that's that's the biggest difference between this year's team and 2009, right? Where you look at a team that went to the conference finals, I believe they were the oldest team in the NHL. So do you look at what Carolina's doing with Rod Brindamore, his, him being a first-year head coach, uh, new ownership team, new hockey uh, operations um, staff as well, front office, and this young roster, do you feel like the infrastructure is in place for the Canes to have sustained success regardless of what happens in this series? Oh, absolutely, Josh. I think that's really well said by you. I expect that this franchise is going to be a very competitive franchise for a long period of time um, just because of the youth that they have flowing through the organization. I haven't even talked about Brad Pesci, who I think is a vastly underrated player. Um, you know, the acquisition of Dougie Hamilton and what he means to the back end and the improvement you've seen from him as the year's gone along. There's a, there's tons to like. So, yeah, no, it's a really encouraging time. I, I said this to the Islanders owner about two years ago when they took over the ownership group, Scott Malkin and John Ledecky. Um, I had the good fortune of being able to speak to their fathers on a father trip. And I said at the time, if the New York Islanders were a stock, I would buy it because it's pretty low right now. But because of the young players that you have down the road, you're going to really be a very difficult franchise to play against. That was two years ago at Madison Square Garden when I spoke to their fathers on the father's trip. And look where they are now. And I would say the same thing as I said to the Islander fathers. I'll say the same thing to the Carolina Hurricanes fans. Your, if this was a stock, I would buy it now because this thing is going to take off. It is, it is really surging at the right time with the right players and with the right coach. Rod Brindamore is a tremendous coach. Pierre Maguire from the NHL and NBC with us. Somehow he has the ability to do every single game on television at one time, standing in between the benches each and every night in the NHL. What What's the furthest you've gone uh, without sleeping in your own bed in terms of weeks, in terms oh. of days? <laughs> oh, there was one year. Um, I'd say it was the year that, so it'd be not last year, the year before that when Pittsburgh beat uh, Nashville in the Stanley Cup final. I think I did 46 or 47 games in in uh, 51 nights, something like that. So I wasn't home for 51 nights. <laughs> Do they recognize you when you go home? Um, well, I've got a son who's at prep school in Boston. He's a sophomore up at uh, Belmont <laughs> Hill. And I've got a daughter that's uh, a very good rower, and she's actually going to be a freshman at Dartmouth next year up in New Hampshire. So... <laughs> They're on the road as much as I am, to be honest. My our, my poor wife, she's a superhero in our family. She just keeps it all together. She's phenomenal. Well, well, Pierre, tell me this. You talk about how unique North Carolina is as a hockey market. Right now, I know there's people outside of the arena with the weather being so beautiful, uh, cooking hot dogs, cooking pulled pork barbecue. Have you ever stopped to have some of the southern cookie you could, uh, cooking you can find on the tailgate lots outside PNC Arena. I wish I could. I don't have time. I smell it, though, from time to time, but it smells really good. I will tell you this quick one, though. I remember in the 1991 final, I was with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We were playing in Minnesota uh, at the old Met Center in uh, Bloomington, Minnesota. It was just outside Minneapolis-St. Paul, and they were tailgating before Game 6. We ended up beating them in Game 6. We won Game 6 8 nothing. The great Ronnie Francis was actually on that team. But I remember walking over to the rink really early um, with Scotty Bowman and Bob Johnson, who were the key management people with our team. And there was a tailgate going on right by our entrance, and it really smelled good, so I went and had a brat. It was good. It was really good. Pierre, 
I hope you can find time to grab a brat or something like that a little bit later on. If not, we look forward to seeing you later on tonight. Thanks for doing this. Have a good call. Oh, Josh, thanks so much for having me. It's been delightful, and the fans here have been fantastic. Thank you, because I care so much about the league, and if we can keep this thing going here, that's just only positive news for the National Hockey League and for the great fans in the state of Carolina. Thanks very much. Right there with you. Thank you. That's Pierre Maguire from the NHL on NBC. What are we going to talk about? Talking about. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. With what we've seen in the last week from Russell Wilson, I believe Russ to be the Derek Jeter of the NFL in that he's never said an interesting syllable publicly. Derek Jeter, always kind to the media, just never very interesting or illuminating. Russell Wilson the very same way in that. But doing things behind the scenes where we're always wondering what he's doing. The only difference between Russell Wilson and Derek Jeter, aside from the sports that they play, albeit Russell Wilson, known to play baseball as well, is Russell Wilson cool? Derek Jeter, universally, seemed to be a cool guy. I don't care how much you hate the Yankees. Derek Jeter, quintessentially cool. Russell Wilson, he's married to Sierra. He's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He's had cameos in movies and TV shows. He, yesterday, was having his hair braided into cornrows by Sierra. Is he cool, though? There's other times we see him wearing dad jeans, dad pants, Hawaiian t-shirts that nobody cool would likely wear. So is Russell Wilson cool? He sounds cool when he's laying in bed with Sierra moments after Well, I don't know what order things happened in. Things that happened in that bed versus things that happened on the phone with the Seahawks official leading to him agreeing in terms to be becoming the the highest paid NFL player of all time. But he is laying in bed with a camera phone up, Sierra lying next to him and saying things as if he's Barry White. Hey, Seattle, we got a deal. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. I'm going to see y'all in the morning. Good night. Time for y'all to go to bed. Finally, we can go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) See y'all in the morning. Gosh, that voice. That tone. We only know that voice and that tone from one place, and that one place is sex. It's It's the only time. Just listen to the first words of what Russell Wilson said there. If you replace Seattle with baby, it sounds like it's from a Barry White song. Hey, Seattle. Woo! I, I just caught something there. Did Sierra snort at the end of that? She did. You heard, you heard it too? She did. The only thing missing was a cigarette. Those two. <laughs> happy. They, they had the best nights. I'm not talking about just Russell Wilson. Sierra and Russell Wilson had a better night that night than any night you've ever had in your life. Russell Wilson agreeing to be the highest paid quarterback in football and in the history of the sport, and on top of that, you know, Sierra, and in Sierra's case, Russell Wilson, star quarterback and the highest paid quarterback in the history of the sport, not a bad way to spend your evening, but is Russell Wilson cool? 
it's a question that is, I don't think it's a simple one to answer. Almost like asking, who can claim Russell Wilson? NC State or Wisconsin? You know, I, I get Wisconsin was the last place he played and was probably the reason he got drafted even as high as he did, which is lesser than where he probably should have been picked, third-round pick out of Wisconsin and NC State. But it's funny hearing the people who say that NC State can't claim him. Sometimes I hear it from people who also say they root for Duke basketball, and they're happy claiming Kyrie Irving, who played less games in a Blue Devil uniform than Russell Wilson played in a Wisconsin football uniform. Ridiculous. Right. Right. So you get exactly what I'm talking about here. But let's put that aside for a moment and explore Dwight Howard, who we haven't heard from in a while, but he's had an interesting career. Much like Carmelo Anthony, he's been getting bashed and his career bashed. People saying that he's one of the most overrated players ever. The guy's a cancer, yada, yada, yada. People forget how good Dwight Howard was. Dwight Howard, considering what the Basketball Hall of Fame is and who gets in in that sport, he's going to be a Basketball Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, He is one of the best centers for about a five, six-year stretch. He brought the Orlando Magic and Stan Van Gundy to the NBA Finals. Let's not forget about that. Dwight Howard, he was seen 10 years ago as the type of player you want to build teams around. You want to build around the center. I mean... When Andre Drummond was just getting into the league, everyone thought, oh, watch out for Detroit because that's the way you want to build a team. Then Steph Curry and Golden State had other ideas, and the league started following that template because people started realizing that the three was a much more valuable shot than any two you're going to be attempting in the paint. Dwight Howard is in the news because Dwight Howard started exploring in the Carolinas. Now, he wasn't running around in Charlotte like he was when he played here the year he did last year or the year before, whenever that was. He's in South Carolina, specifically Columbia, and he's singing karaoke. Would you like to hear what it sounds like when Dwight Howard sings karaoke? I'm really nervous. You bet you do. What's happening there? What is happening in this clip? What's happening there is a gyrating seven footer in, in Dwight Howard singing Little John and the East Side Boys' Get Low. Or is it just called Low? Is it Get Low or is it Low? It's Get Low. Uh, it's Get Low. Dwight Howard. To the window, man. to the wall. Yeah. You can finish the lyric in your car because. As Dwight taught us there, we can't play that on the radio. But I'm impressed by what Dwight Howard did there. You are? I think I think it's a good song choice. It gets the people going. See, the people who make bad karaoke decisions, and I pride myself as a karaoke enthusiast, big fan of karaoke, the worst thing you can do is choose a song that's slow and, and doesn't get people going. It seems like the trick with karaoke is picking a song that everyone will sing with you. So you're not exactly. up there by yourself. So I can get him singing this, especially right. in the South, South Carolina. I mean, you can throw on any kind of Little John produced song from 03 to 08, and you're probably going to be the life of the party, I would think. Darren Vaught was filling in for me on Thursday. Wednesday night, we went to the T-Pain concert. After, right. the, after the show, we did karaoke. And 
Apparently, Darren spent a lot of time on this show, based off what I've heard in my email. <laughs> he spent a lot of time talking about what I did in karaoke after that. <laughs> I opened up with Right Now by Akon. Huh. Okay. And then I went up there and sang R. Kelly, I Believe I Can Fly. You, oh, man. <laughs> you won't let that song there die, There were mixed you? reviews. <laughs> Everybody loved it. It was great. <laughs> and I did it so well that a woman walks up to me with her husband and says, he won't get on stage and sing Shallow with me. I want you to do it. <laughs> shallow. Who sings Shallow? It's the, the Star is Born song, Bradley oh, Cooper oh, and, oh, and Lady Gaga. Yeah. Not hard to sing if you're the guy. Right. Yeah. Just how, do a little cowboy up. How did the uh, how did the But then the guy, the guy, it went well, but the guy, he felt, I guess, embarrassed that he couldn't go up with his lady. So he gets up there and he also chooses a very good song. If you're not, if you're not big on karaoke, don't feel confident enough to sing. Here's a little, here's a tip. This is, this is a good life hack for you. Oh. If you want to sing karaoke, want to get the people going, but don't actually have to sing. Choose the song Tequila. You know that song? All you got to say is tequila. tequila. Three times of the entire song, and everybody's happy with what you just did. Wait, wow. I never realized. That, that's the only word in the song, isn't it? Only word in that song. Huh. Isn't that kind pro of cheating? Tip, <laughs> pro tip from your friend Josh. Isn't that cheat? Isn't that karaoke if you don't, cheating? If you want to go up there and sing karaoke, do that song. People will love you. <laughs> it goes well. Here's the other reason I'm impressed with Dwight Howard, what he did there. He clearly knows the words to to the song. There's no way, there's no way that the screen that would have the lyrics on it had the dirty lyrics. That was my question. There's no chance. There's yeah. no chance. So Dwight Howard, pro move, pro karaoke move. Don't go off the screen. You know every words to the you know every word to the song. Don't choose a song you don't know the words to. He uh, that was going to be my question to you being a, a karaoke expert. Do you ever get karaoke on your screen that's the, the, the album dirty version, or is it always the clean radio edit? I one time sang Creep by Radiohead, and there's a lyric that says either very, it might be very, or it might be a word I can't say on the radio. Please don't. I always do the latter <laughs> because that's the real version of the song. Right. Clearly, he knows every word. I'm impressed by that. Also, he isn't singing terrible because, again, going back to song selection, it's a perfect song. That, and that's not a song that requires great vocal ability. He's not With singing. all due respect to Lil John, <laughs> yeah, I learned this last year seeing Lil John in concert. I saw Lil John. He was wearing a, a, a polo. He looked like a dad. <laughs> he was wearing a striped polo and cargo shorts. I realized once I saw him perform, he doesn't do much singing, no, Lil John. Not at all. Lil John is yeah. a DJ, and he stands there and says, "Yeah, okay." What? Nonstop, three, four. That's hours. what he does, and he's made millions that. off of it. He did, and and more power to him. He's actually really smart. He's really. I, smart I'm guy. not saying he's not smart. No, I'm just saying. I mean, he's really book smart. Like, if you, I mean, the the skit, the, Sh the Dave Chappelle skit with Lil John. That's actually ripped from real life. Like, he's really like that. So he's I'm giving Dwight Howard the credit. It's a good song choice. He clearly knows the words. And he isn't terrible singing it because it goes back to song choice that, hey, you pick a song that's in your range. Don't, don't do Bruno Mars. Don't go out there and sing Celine Dion. Don't go out here trying to sing Aretha Franklin. Just, you know, choose a song that's in your range. Choose a song that people know. Get the people going. And choose a song you know the words to. Dwight Howard accomplished all three of those things. So I give serious points to one 
Dwight Howard. Is is Dwight Howard on a team right now? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Canes reporter Sarah Sivian gives us a live report from PNC Arena next. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, The The Sports Sports Hub, Hub. at AM 600, AM 920. We get off the air around 6 o'clock Eastern each night. The Hurricanes are going to be dropping the puck on Game 6 against the Capitals at 7 o'clock. So I'm interested to see what happens right when we get off the air, how long it's going to take for me to get from... Highwoods Boulevard in downtown Raleigh, over to PNC Arena. This morning it was about a 15-minute drive, but a little bit of traffic probably going to factor into that. We'll see if I make it in by puck drop. Sarah Sivian's already inside PNC Arena. There was a record crowd there last Thursday. We'll see what kind of numbers show up this evening. You could read her work at theathletic.com. Sarah Sivian on Twitter as well, at Sarah Sivian. And we will get to some of the tweets as well that she sent out, too, because we enjoyed that so much last week. Sarah, um, I guess it's the calm before the storm in there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought Dougie kind of, he likes to stretch before the games and, like, kind of look at the ice. And I just saw that. Um, There's woo and no caps and um, the rally towels um, are spelling that. And I liked your selection for the music there. Did you know I've seen Third Eye Blind Live 16 times? Have you? Yes, yes. Why? Why that many times? What makes you think, okay, the 14th time I'm going to go see, uh, I'm going to see, uh, I'm going to hear Simi Charm Life played again by this band? Well, it's part of my identity now, and there are always cheap concerts in the summer, so why not? Yeah, well, last week I saw T-Pain, so I can't really object to that too much. <laughs> um, Sarah, looking at this game tonight, I'm interested, do you think Game 6 is somehow easier to move past or make it Game 5 because of how lopsided it was? I remember, it might have been Rob Brindamore or somebody else who said, Game 7 was much more easier to focus on when we won in 2006 because we lost in Game 6 by such a substantial margin against Edmonton. Do you buy stock in that? Yeah, no, that's exactly what he said. Um, I mean, everything he said basically is he's proving right with this team. So I take stock in whatever he says pretty much at this point. But um, yeah, he said at least three times now that he's kind of glad that they lost by that much so they could get it out of their system instead of like an overtime loss, you know, and I totally agree with that. I mean, it's a playoff. These crazy things have been happening. Five, nothing, six, nothing. Um, I, I don't take stock in the outcome of that game, but I do take stock in the fact that it doesn't really matter. Sarah Sivian's a great follow on Twitter. Great to do. Uh, read at theathletic.com as well. In between each hockey question, we will read one of her tweets and ask her to explain it. This one. Just wanted to remind everyone that I'm 1,000% biased against you, your team, your entire family, and everyone you've ever loved. <laughs> well, that explanation, I, Caps fans are really coming after me for no reason. Like, I... I I think they're just mad, and that's okay to be mad, but um, I, I think I'm just doing my job, and there's really a lot of people looking to be mad right now, so it's been a rough few days on social media. Is there ever a good day on social media? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. I think it's the reason I probably have this job, but uh, not in the playoffs. <laughs> Whose presence has been missed the most the last two games out of the three players who have been injured for the Hurricanes out of the lineup among the forwards? 
um, hands down, Jordan Martinuk, and it's not about really on the ice, but kind of is, but it's, um, I mean, I asked Brenda Moore about this too, and he said, yeah, like, he has an impact that you don't see as a fan or a reporter in the locker room, and you, you kind of can't see it in some other uh, videos that they post, but um, yeah, I mean, like, you need an energy guy like that in this series, and so it hurts that he's out. I think Sarah, he's the worst, yeah. Sarah Sivian with us here from The Athletic next week. I hope this young professional on the plane who won't switch with this cute old man who wanted to sit next to his wife crashes the stock market today or something. I think, look, in, in retrospect, that tweet, um, I think maybe he was sitting next to his friends. Maybe I shouldn't judge too quickly. But I think that was a very cute old man and a cute old couple, and he wasn't in a window seat, and he could trade for a window seat. So I'm thinking, why not just trade? But it is what it is. Do you prefer window seat or aisle? Window seats, but they're all going to the same place. All right. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Looking at um, Carolina's chances for tonight, as undermanned as they are, should Carolina be able to keep up with this Washington team? Because it seems like to me, Washington on Thursday night, even though they lost, I thought they were better 5-on-5 five five for most of that game. And, of course, Washington was better on Saturday. If these players aren't able to play tonight, should Carolina be able to keep up? Yeah, I mean, it's all about getting that first goal and getting the crowd into it. As uh, Slavin said, that was the key um, after the last game. And also, I mean, Brenda Moore has been saying that they're going to come out with the best game of their season um, for the past few days, so I would believe that it's it's tough without three really physical guys in a physical battle that this has been, but um, I don't know if they'll win. I think they'll come out with a really good effort. Sarah Sivian is at PNC Arena, Hurricanes Capitals tonight. She tweeted this earlier today. This guy from the Air Force just completely fixed my car bumper in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot because he noticed it was falling off and wasn't looking for anything in return. I have to be a better person. What's the story there? (laughs) Well, I was rear-ended coming home from that night that Greg McKegg scored that goal on $5 beer night, and I amped up and wanted to write my story, so I didn't even get it. So it's been kind of an issue for a few months now, but... uh, I was just kind of like, I noticed it fell off, actually, in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. And um, this guy just came up to me like an angel with all these supplies. And he was like, I saw your bumpers falling off. And then he just fixed it for me. So now I have to pay it forward somehow. You're you're from Massachusetts, I believe. Car, yeah. uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Is Rite of Passage or no? Yes. Um, I think it's better up north, honestly. Um, something about it. But I like... Starbucks, too. I just had a Starbucks cold brew. Um, both are fine. I think people are stupid about that. I think I think people can be stupid on Twitter. You're somebody who's not stupid on Twitter, and we appreciate that. And we appreciate you bringing some insight as well. We look forward to following your coverage tonight. We'll see you in a little bit, Sarah. Thanks for doing this. That's debatable. See you tonight. <laughs> you got it. That's Sarah Sivian. Follow her on Twitter, at Sarah Sivian.